everybody. This is Rich Sports Talk broadcasting on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spreaker, and available for download on Apple, iTunes, Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Remember, you can like and subscribe at Rich Sports Talk or email us richsportstalk at gmail.com. We're getting to our another segment of three and out this week, including a fourth down 60-second punt topic, which will involve college football today. So we're going to go right off the bat and into our first topic, which is going off of Monday Night Football. And the Redskins, now losers of three straight, have fallen to six and six. And a lot of people are saying it's Jay Gruen's fault. And I say, wait a minute. Jay Gruen, to me, is one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL right now. People are saying, oh, come on. He's 34, 41, and one as a head coach. I said, wait, 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 hold on a minute. His first year, he was four and 12. Okay. Since then, the Redskins have been a 500 team throughout his career and look at what he's had to deal with he's in a division with the Dallas Cowboys and Eagles who over the last three years are two of the most talented rosters in the NFC he's had to deal with B to B plus quarterbacks and Kirk Cousins who always disappear in the big games and when he had Alex Smith this year they were rolling this team rolled off to a six and three start and had this division in their hands until Alex Smith broke his leg and they've been competitive the last couple of weeks with Colt McCoy and last night he breaks his leg they're down to their third-string quarterback, Mr. Butt Fumble himself, Mark Sanchez, and they still are competing. May I, may I point this out there? Since he left Cincinnati in 2013, that offense and Andy Dalton, it's never been the same again. Look at where you leave. It's not only about where you go and how you make that place better, but where you leave and what happens. And the Bengals have never been the same team. For me, Gruden has never had a fair shake because he's had, at best, a B2B-plus quarterback and he's had a bunch of injuries. Did you know last year this team at one point had 20 players on the IR? Think about this season. Their two best offensive linemen have missed a combined 14 games this year. Their number one pick and their starting running back who was supposed to be their big X factor on offense this year, he tears his ACL in the preseason. Their best offensive weapon is a 33-year-old Adrian Peterson who they got off the scrap heap, and he's turned him back into AP once again I mean you look at the weapons and all the injuries this team has had more injuries than any other team in the NFL over the last two seasons and yet instead of just packing up and quitting on the season they go out and they fight every week this is a competitive team and I know it's frustrating because they are just hovering around 500 but could you imagine this team without Jay Gruden without this offense this team would be a dumpster fire we talk about how bad the Giants are the, Gi the Giants have a better roster. The Giants, without question, have a better roster than the Washington Redskins. And the Giants are a lot healthier than the Washington Redskins. Like, you look at that offense with Saquon, Odell, Ingram, they have a lot of talent. They have more talent on offense. They, they can't move the ball. And I understand the Giants' offensive line is terrible. But the Redskins have gone through a ton of offensive line combinations, and they've been missing their best offensive linemen over the past two years due to injuries. And yet they're still a competitive team. And if Alex Smith doesn't get injured, this NFC East was probably wrapped up two weeks ago. But because of that injury, it's given the Eagles new life. It's given the Cowboys new life. So everyone who's saying Jay Gruden deserves to be on the hot seat, I will say this. Jay Gruden, to me, is one of the most underappreciated coaches in the NFL. And what he has done with a limited roster, a limited quarterback, a plethora of injuries, and in a difficult NFC East, and making the Redskins relevant, competitive, and in the hunt for the playoffs is remarkable. He is a great head coach, and to me he's one of the most underrated coaches in Washington. You have to appreciate what kind of coach he really is. 
Speaking of Gruden and the Cowboys, I always said this as we get into our second down, and it's a little bit of a two-parter. Number one, I said this a couple weeks ago when the Cowboys made the trade for Amari Cooper. Aggressive teams are the ones that usually win because they're trying to get better. They're not being passive. And you look at the impact Amari Cooper has had on the Cowboys offense. They've exploded, and they haven't lost a game. And they beat the best team, I thought, in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints at home last Thursday night. You look at how aggressive teams are winning. You look at the teams that were aggressive with the Oakland Raiders and making deals. The Chicago Bears and the Chicago uh, – sorry, had a little bit of a – you know, just uh, lost train of thought there really quickly. But the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys, look at where they are now. Both are in the hunt for the playoffs. And this is one thing I always say about trading draft picks, especially during the season. You have to understand that you can project where a team's going to finish, but you also have to realize if you're giving up a good piece, they're probably going to be better than you think. And I think when the Raiders made both of those trades, they were thinking to themselves, well, we're going to have three top 15 teams. The Bears aren't going to do well in the NFC North. And, of course, the, the Cowboys are out of it now, so we'll give them Amari Cooper. And uh, not only have they lost talent, but they are hurting in the draft because it looks like both teams are in prime position to make the postseason, and that turns their first-round picks into later first-round picks, which are still valuable, but not as valuable as the Raiders initially thought. Once the season's over, I think the draft picks, they become more valuable. Because they become set, you know what the order is. You know what the other teams are in front of you, what their needs are going into the offseason. And once free agency hits, you, you get a better idea of what teams need and what their different values are going to be. So for the Raiders to make these trades during the season and before the season... Just because they think, oh, the team's going to be bad. You have to understand, you're giving up good pieces. Those teams are going to be better than you think. And once again, the season for this Raiders just continues to go from bad to worse because the team that was like, hey, we're going to have three picks in the top 15. Well, it doesn't look like that. And you know when sometimes you break up and the person is doing better than you thought they would do? And you thought, oh, it's them. Well, then you see how well they do without you. And you realize, maybe it's you. That's kind of what's happening with the Raiders right now. Oh, Khalil Mack is a, a, is selfish, and you know he just wants to get paid the big money. He's arguably the best defensive player in football this year. And Amari Cooper, well, you know, he, he's really falling off a cliff. He could be a bust. Uh, he's looked great in Dallas with a quarterback who I feel physically is less talented than Carr. And yet they are looking like a lot better team. So sometimes you have to look in the mirror. If they're doing off better without you, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Now we get to third down and a fun little topic that I'm going to look at a little bit differently. Now, the New York Jets were the same old Jets and blew a 16-point lead of the Tennessee Titans. And once again... To the Ira Jets fans, Todd Bowles is still the head coach for another week, even though Mike McCarthy, who, may I remind you, has won a Super Bowl with Green Bay, was fired earlier in the week. But one thing I think that was really interesting was in the post-game press conference when asked if Sam Darnold could play, Bowles said, yeah, he's healthy, but we didn't give him the practice reps, so we didn't feel he was ready. Which, to me, surprised me. Because to me, 
isn't the reps in the game for a rookie quarterback? Uh, wouldn't it be more important, even with the lost season, to get him game reps? It, it just didn't make sense. And from all reports, it seems like Darnold not only could have started this week, but he could have started last week against the Patriots, need be. And the Jets, once again, said they're being cautious. They want to make sure he's 100% to start. But I have a different theory on this. I have a theory that they are protecting Sam Darnold, and not because they're worried about him making mistakes on the field and throwing interceptions. Oh, no, 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 no. They are worried because they've seen this offense, how bad this offense has been, and how this team, once again, couldn't score a touchdown this week without him. You've seen the impact of him not in the lineup. I mean, this offense went from bottom of the league to just plain unwatchable. They have been unwatchable. They've been terrible these last couple of weeks. And my theory was this. Management upstairs has told Todd Bowles and this coaching staff, we're not playing Sam Darnold. Now, two things could happen with that. Number one, they really are waiting until he's completely 100% healthy, and maybe they'll give him the last four starts of the season. I mean, they're 3-9. and nine. They're pretty much out of it. But I had another thought. And let me put this out there. Could the Jets just be protecting him because they know how bad their offensive personnel is? I mean, this offensive line, they're bad. They also lost one of their decent starters, left guard James Carpenter, for the season. He's now on IR. So my question was this. Are they not going to blame for the rest of the year? Just because they don't want him to get hurt and because they don't want him to miss any significant time because of a severe injury next year? I mean, think about the impact of Carson Wentz getting hurt late in the season last year. And I know it's under completely different circumstances because the Eagles were in playoff contention, but you think of that impact. He wasn't 100% to start the next season. And even now... You could tell he's still coming back. He's still not 100% from the ACL injury. So the Jets are saying to themselves, why are we risking our 21-year-old investment behind this offensive line, with these offensive weapons, with this lack of a running game? I mean, have you noticed what Arizona's been doing with Josh Rosen? They're not letting him throw the football. He's in the game, but they're running the football. Even in that Green Bay game where they did win, did you notice how even when they were behind, they were running the football all the time? I mean, they were kept just handing it off to David Johnson, handing it off to the other two backs. They they weren't letting Josh Rosen throw. Why? Because they know that offensive line is terrible. They're out of the postseason, and they don't want their star investment to get hurt. It's a little interesting like you see in Buffalo. You're seeing this team now starting to run the ball more. And you saw it a little bit in the Miami game. You know how – Josh Allen was running around all crazy against Jacksonville. Uh, did you notice how he kind of toned that down against the Dolphins? It, you, you could kind of tell. I think that front office and that coaching staff said, Josh, cool it. We, we don't want you getting hurt out there. We don't want you getting killed. We don't want you getting hurt and missing time next year. See, these guys are investments, and they're long-term investments. Both All these teams know they're not in the playoff hunt this year. Why are they risking their great venture for a season that's basically lost at this point? And I'm not saying the Jets are trying to purposely tank to get a higher pick. 
But you look at their schedule, do you know who they're playing? They have to play the Patriots again in Week 17. And that could be a game where the Patriots aren't resting starters because if the Chiefs continue to win, that might be a game where the Patriots have to win to get home field advantage or be in the conversation for home field advantage. So that could be a meaningful game for the uh, for the Patriots. Sorry. You look at the other games on the schedule. The Green Bay Packers. You don't think that they're trying to prove something without Mike McCarthy and that they're not a decent defense? You also have the Houston Texans, who are arguably the hottest team in football right now and have an elite defense in J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. D- do you want him to get killed? And then you look at the Bills. The Bills have a great pass rush. They're not a great team, but one of the things they do exceptionally well that they can hang their hat on is they can get after the quarterback. So you're looking at three defenses that can get after the quarterback. And you're looking at four games where Darnold, outside of the Buffalo game, he's not the best quarterback in that game. It's He's not Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, or Tom Brady. So I think that the writing could be clear. Now, could he still come back, and could the Jets give him reps? Yeah, absolutely. They could just say, you know what, we might as well just give him some reps. We're just going to run the ball and not let him throw more than 20 times a game. That that might be the case, too. But I do have a theory. If we don't see him the rest of the year, they're not, not playing him because they don't think he's good. They're not playing him because he thinks they think he's that great. They're saying, look, this season's lost. We're going to have $100 million in cash base and a top three pick. Why are we going to risk the future of our franchise? And also for a, a prospective head coach. I mean, if they're trying to go after Mike McCarthy or one of these big head coaches, if Sam Darnold, like let's say Sam Darnold is going to miss time next year and not come in the start of the season, you don't think that's going to be a red flag for a coach? You don't think that's going to be a red flag if a coach is going to say, well, you know, I want to come here, but, oh, yeah, the, the franchise quarterback is going to miss the first three weeks of the season because of an injury, and I could potentially start in an 0-3 hole. They're not going to want to do that. They want to, they're going to want Sam Darnold healthy. So that's something to keep an eye on for the Jets. It might not be just because of the injury. It might be that they're just saying, look, our offensive personnel is bad. We're going to get – Three really good teams, including a team that might not be that great, but they have a great pass rush, and they beat us up a couple weeks ago, and they embarrassed us. We don't want to risk Sam Darnold getting hurt. It's just not worth it. All right, now we get to our fourth down, our 60-second topic, and I'm going to preface this by saying this. It's about Urban Meyer. And when I talk about Urban Meyer, I am just talking about him as a football coach on the field, I'm not going to talk about the the off-the-field incident from earlier this season. That is a different topic. I am just exploring his impact as a head coach. And I'm also prefacing this by saying this. I I do look at this situation, and I do feel, from what I've heard in this industry and from the people I know and trust, that this is based on his health. It's not based on the domestic violence issue from earlier this season. Could that have maybe played a small role in his retiring? It might have, but this is based on his health. And what I'm going to talk about right now is just him as a football coach, his X's and O's. And I understand that there is a whole bunch of other things to talk about with his off the field with Florida and with Ohio State. But for the time being, I'm just focusing on looking at his coach for a career. So with that, we get to fourth down, 60 seconds on the clock. And when we look at Urban Meyer, who I think will go down as one of the best college football coaches ever, 
To me, his career will emulate some of the great football stars that had great careers but were really short, such as Gale Sayers and Bo Jackson. You look at what he did in Florida with the multiple national championships, the national title in Ohio State, and in the short time he was the head coach. Now you look at the health issues and you do hope for him and his family the best because that is a crippling health issue. And it even said he didn't want to come back to coaching unless it was Ohio State and he got that dream job. And his wife even said that the reason he came back was because that was his dream job. But for me, Urban Meyer is going to be one of these interesting cases. There's no question he's one of the best college football coaches and recruiters we've ever seen. But when we look back on this in 10 to 15 years, we'll be one of those careers where we're going to look back and almost say, man, what would it have been if he could have gotten another 10 to 15 years of coaching? Because Nick Saban has had a long career. Nixon in really good health. But you look at Urban Meyer, his tenure at Florida was cut short because of these migraines. You look at his career at Ohio State, it's going to be cut short. And you look at both those situations, you could have made the case that he could have won multiple championships or was in position to win multiple national titles with both franchises. And you look at this Ohio State job he's done recruiting, they should be the preliminary favorite out of the Big Ten for years to come. Uh, for Ohio State, I do think they're going to get a great coaching candidate. It's one of the top five brands of college football. It's a great job, and I still I think they will be fine going into next year, even without Urban Meyer because he's left this program in such a good place. But looking at Urban Meyer, it's going to be one of those careers we look back. It's almost a little bit of a tragedy saying if he could have coached another 10 to 15 years, what would his record have been like and what would his impact be on the game, on the field, in terms of wins and losses and national titles. That's going to do it for this episode of Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to reach out, please email us richsportstalk at gmail.com. We'd love to get to your questions. And if you have a question for 3 and Out, we would love to get it on the program. So please email us or reach out to us on Twitter, Rich Sports Talk, and on Twitter at the handle at Rich Sports Talk. But I'm Nolan Rich. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And as always, tune in and subscribe to Rich Sports Talk.